Welcome to a special Twins Playoff Preview Edition of Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be here. It's going to be a long, busy, and hopefully fun week. Got a whole bunch of stuff to bring you today as we get ready for the Twins to play the Toronto Blue Jays in the wild card round of the playoffs. First pitch Tuesday, game one, slated for 3.38 p.m. That is the game time Wednesday as well and tentatively scheduled Thursday as well if necessary. That one's subject to change. And we'll see if they get that far. We'll see if they need to get that far. We'll see if they can break their 18-game postseason losing streak. We'll see if they can dare to dream beyond that and just beyond just one win. Hey, maybe a series win getting deeper into the playoffs. But it all starts with Game 1 on Tuesday in order to get you there. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. Bobby Nightingale from the Star Tribune will join me here in a little bit. Beat writer covers the Twins. He'll uh, he'll kind of give a roster breakdown, what he expects out of the 26-player the postseason roster, some thoughts on kind of what the team brings into the postseason now that maybe they haven't had in past years, what the pitching matchups could look like, things like that. You'll also hear from a couple players, and you'll hear from Chris Hannell. Did an amazing YouTube documentary on the on the uh, the history of this 18 game losing streak and just the the probability of it and the hopefulness that he has that they will be able to break that streak this year. It's almost a two hour documentary. It is well worth your time as a Twins fan or just a fan of baseball. So that will be later on in this episode. And by way of promotion, I am planning special episodes after all three or at least two of these playoff games right after the games are done or as soon after the games are done that I can record something for you guys to consume and get ready for the next one. So before we get to that, I want to give you kind of my here's here's my three keys, I would say, to how this series could go and, and, and kind of dictating whether the Twins are going to win. Number one, can they hit? This this kind of goes without saying. It's, it's a fundamental part of the game. Maybe this is obvious, but they have not hit well in the postseason. If there's a common thread that runs throughout this 18-game postseason losing streak, it is by and large the offense going silent, something like two and a half runs per game throughout that uh, throughout that stretch. You know, a lot of those lineups not necessarily built so well for the postseason, running into good postseason pitching and getting shut down. Can this lineup, which seems like it's built better for the postseason, can they muster enough offense? This was not the strength of the team in the first half of the season, but since the All-Star break, this has been a much better offense. But a lot of these guys are young. A lot of these guys are inexperienced, don't have those playoff postseason at-bats under their belt. Guys like Edward Julian, Matt Walner, Royce Lewis, if he's healthy, and more on that in a minute. Guys like that, can they count on them? Are those guys going to be productive postseason players? The veterans, guys like Carlos Correa, can they guide them through, you know, through these trips of the order where the at-bats are so much more magnified? They're going to run into a lot of good Toronto pitching. Can they hit enough? Can they be the first one to four or five in these games and not stop when the offense gets one or two? That will be probably the biggest key to me in all this. Number two, is Royce Lewis healthy? And that, that, that to me is, is one of the biggest subplots of this whole series. I think Carlos Correa sounds like he is going to play. He also sounded Monday pretty optimistic that Royce Lewis is going to play. I think you'll hear some optimism from Bobby Nightingale here in a little bit that Lewis will at least be able to be the DH in this series. We'll know for sure if he's on the roster Tuesday. But as for right now, here, here's what Carlos Correa had to say during his availability on Monday. 
obviously, you know, he's he's been great all year long. Every time he's in the lineup, he's he's a game changer. So, you know, he's been putting in the work. He's he's been going out there. He looks really good. So, yeah, I'm very optimistic. Lewis though has that hamstring issue. That can that can really drag a player down. Will he be able to play the field? What percent will he be at the plate? Will he be enough of himself to not just contribute but but to feel like he is the player that guided them through so many of these, you know, games down the stretch, the grand slams, the leadership, you know, going out and getting those big hits. Can he be that player? Can he be that leader they rally around? Can he get healthy enough and not re-injure himself in the process should they advance and need him further and further? Can it continue to get better while he is still playing? That is a huge role to me because I think he is their most important player right now, hands down, and that is something I will be watching for in this season, in this series. Number three, and this is an interesting one, it's kind of come pitching with atmosphere but what will it feel like at target field in tense moments when you have this 18 game postseason losing streak what does that feel like what what does that feel like as a team what does that feel like when things start to get tense what will this remade bullpen look like if they have to dip in early if they go to a louis varland or a chris paddock someone that they've given a big role to um, maybe perhaps on this postseason roster based on some late evidence are these guys ready are twins fans ready what will it feel like at target field during these games because this this happens in in minnesota sports i felt it the most recent time i felt it was at uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium during that Vikings playoff loss to the Giants where people start to expect the worst because that's what they've come to expect from some of these teams. The Vikings, of course, have their own history, and the Twins now have that element of history as well. Can they overcome all of that? Will talent win the day? Will it rule the day? And if they get that first win, when and if they get that first win, will there be a compounding effect? Will they then be a different energy from them in the stadium? And can, like I said, can this pitching staff, especially these relievers, I don't worry about Pablo Lopez and Sunday Gray. I know that they might not have the best starts in the world, but it's not going to be because of you know some sort of weird element. Those are very good pitchers, and sometimes it's your day, sometimes it's not. I don't worry about those guys. I worry about their number three starter a little bit more, probably going to be Joe Ryan. How does that look? What does it look like if they get into these tense moments, have to dip into these situations, things start to get tense? What will that look like at target field? I want to see what that will feel like and look like. I think that's an unwritten but strange but also... Um, important to be accounted for intangible as we think about this series and especially as we think about game one and trying to break this 18 game losing streak on tuesday grand casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Happy to be joined right now by Bobby Nightingale, Twins beat writer for the Star Tribune. Bobby, it's finally here. We've been, you know, for the past few weeks, it feels like this has been an inevitability that they were going to, the Twins were going to be in this wild card series, um, bit of a surprise, I think, to some of us that it ends up being Toronto as the opponent, but not, nothing else about it feels too surprising. You were on the last road trip with the team. Um, what, what, what's kind of the what's the mood? What's the sentiment? You know, we got the 18 game losing streak that everybody keeps talking about. Some of these guys are are kind of like 
diving in head into it and they're saying you know i think i saw your kyle farmer stuff from the weekend not not shying away from it kind of leaning into that what's the general mood of this team going into this series yeah i would say pretty laid back i mean they're as you mentioned a group that they were going to clinch a long time ago pretty much after that cleveland series in the beginning of september um so it kind of felt inevitable the last few weeks almost felt like a spring training feel where they could map up their pitching where this guy's pitching this day and this guy's pitching that day and like it didn't even really matter the situation, you know. Duran came in whenever he wanted to come in, so um, I thought they did a good job of kind of managing the last couple of weeks in terms of that. And then, I mean, in terms of the playoffs, I was, su- I was surprised. On one hand, they didn't really care who they played. There was really there's more guys watching football over the weekend in the clubhouse than nice. there were guys that were like going over the tiebreaker scenarios and worrying about which opponent they were going to have for the first round, whether that was going to be Houston or Toronto on the last day. And then as far as like the 18-game losing streak, I mean, it seems like the new guys are the ones who are leaning into it the most, Kyle Farmer and Pablo Lopez. Both of them have been pretty open, like, yeah, I've read about the streak. And, uh, you know, Pablo Lopez kind of said, you know, pressure's, uh, you know, something I, I, I like. I mean, that's a good thing is, and you know, I have a chance to kind of do something that hasn't been done here in a while, and I appreciate that challenge. So um, talking to other beat reporters, I mean, this is my first season, but right. it sounds like a lot of Twins teams in the past really avoided it. Like, we don't want to talk about it at all. So it's a, I think that's probably the biggest difference is you have some new guys that are just like, well, who, who really cares? We're a different team, and it's not really our streak. They've got to feel pretty good about how they're playing, and maybe that's some of how they're approaching this. Like, hey, we like our team. doesn't matter who we play. doesn't matter what's happened in the past. They've been a much better team, much more consistent, better hitting team since the All-Star break. Um, where exactly did that come from, and how good do they feel about themselves right now? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last month, I mean, that I think they had the best record in the American League in September. Obviously, the schedule played a little bit of a factor in sure. that, probably. But um, and everyone's hitting. I mean, that's going into the playoffs. I mean, it, there's not really a guy that's been slumping. If you go like the big questions, wh- wh- where are the issues going in the postseason? Sure, you have the health concerns of Correa and Royce Lewis, um, but I don't think there's a spot in the lineup where you're like, uh, we we wish we had a left fielder that could hit right now. Um, so I, th- I think they're all confident in that. Um, and if you talk to guys around the team, especially Rocco, they point to the rookies. Um, when you call up Edward, uh, Edward Julian, Matt Walner, and Royce, when Royce Lewis came back from his oblique injury, um, Royce had an impact in the first half. Um, but when he came back in August, that's when he went on his tear. Walner carried the team when he first came up, and he kind of had to do that to keep his place in the majors. But um, Rocco said not only did they play well, not only did they bring energy, but they kind of inspired the rest of the group like, you know, it says something for rookies to come into a team that has a lot of veteran guys and um, feel comfortable right away and make an impact that way. Yeah, it's a good point. You bring up, uh, you brought up uh, Correa and Lewis. Those are big question marks. Byron Buxton's a question mark. I mean, they don't have to submit these. They don't have to submit their roster till Tuesday morning. That said, if you had to guess, like right now, where they're at health wise and other decision wise too. I mean, it's not just health. They've got some tough roster decisions to make for this postseason roster because they've got you know, other guys that could contribute. But how would you see them, you know, how do you see the pitching shaking out? And, and particularly, how do you see those kind of injury question marks? You know, are they going to make the roster, at least this wild card round? Yeah, barring any setback in today's workout, just kind of the general sentiment was Correa was definitely going to be a lock to play a shortstop. I mean, he's played through plantar fasciitis for basically the whole season, um, and he's felt a lot better. It sounded like he had a chance to play in Colorado, and they decided against it, but just the fact he almost played in games this weekend, uh, good sign for him. Royce Lewis, he sounds like he's probably going to be the DH. That'd be my guess. Um, I, I think it's a tough ask 
coming from a hamstring strain to say you're going to play third base and um, be able to play good defense and be able to handle slow rollers. I think that's probably the biggest concern or um, plays down the line where he'd really have to test his speed. Um, it sounds like he's doing okay running in a straight line going into today's workout, and uh, he's been swinging for over a week and facing live pitching and homered in one of the simulated his first that, simulated yeah. games. Right. So uh, they, I think they feel comfortable with his bat, and even if he's 80%, I think they're, they're happy to put him in the lineup. Buxton, I, I think he's probably... That's that's the big question mark going into today's workout. I I I still lean towards he's probably going to be left off. It's just it's hard to bring a guy on when he's only played he played two games this month. Neither were back to back at St. Paul. Um, he's done some simulated game stuff. He's even played the outfield in the simulated games, but those are only two innings. Um, and I, I think it's hard to trust. We're going to put you in a playoff game. You can't get hurt. We need you to play at your best. Um, and I, I think that probably opens the door for Andrew Stevenson with his speed. He can play all three outfield positions. Actually, a pretty good defender too. Um, so I, I think he probably gets the lean there. And then, you know, they already announced the game one and two starters, Sonny and Pablo. Well, Pablo game one, Sonny game two. Right. I think Joe Ryan starts game three. You have Kent Maeda out of the bullpen. You have Chris Paddock out of the bullpen. And, and, and the thing with the postseason rotation, I mean, these are short leashes. I mean, if first sign of trouble, the it doesn't matter if it's Pablo, Sonny, or Joe Ryan. Any of them are coming out. Um, and if you get through the lineup twice, I mean, I, that's usually a pretty big accomplishment in the postseason. So I, I think... I think that's how they feel comfortable with those three uh, starters going in. How different is the conversation with Buxton if he's having a better season right now, you know, up to the up to the point where he got hurt? Yeah, I think that probably it almost probably would be more like Royce, where yeah. you, you feel like okay, we we're at least going to put him back in the lineup, even if it's eighty percent, and we feel comfortable about it. Um, you know, I, and plus right now, I mean, if Royce could play third base, I think that would open the door a little bit more for Buxton. Right? Maybe he doesn't start against right-handed right-handed pitching as the DH, uh, but against lefties, I, I could see it where okay, we need we could use his bad, and uh, you know, maybe he finds fire. But if you already have Royce Lewis as your DH, you're not going to carry two guys that um, you know have injury concerns and or a DH only type guy. So. Um, I, I think Royce's status probably hurts Byron the most, let alone just he had his obvious offensive struggles this year. Now, Joe Ryan is interesting because it, it feels like he, you know, he had a good, you know, first half of the season. He had that groin strain that he tried to pitch through, maybe not to his own benefit or the Twins' benefit. He comes back. He's been up and down. He's been okay. His last start in Colorado was not great, but it's you know a lot of pitchers struggle there. How do you feel about? That choice because it, it, that's a choice. The first two guys are, I mean, you could flip flop Lopez, Gray, it doesn't really matter. I think those are obviously their first two. What do you think of the Joe Ryan decision uh, to, to go with him and likely in game three? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to his ability to strike guys out. I mean, he, even with the time he missed on the injured list, he almost finished with 200 strikeouts. I think 197 is what he finished at. Um, and in the postseason, that's what matters. I mean, strikeouts are a huge thing. I mean, uh, not that not to take anything away from Kent Maeda, he's he's done well, but he also has a track record of he's done well in the bullpen. And Joe Ryan does not have that. And I think it's one of those okay if he if he can strike out more guys if Kent Maeda has, has bullpen experience, really good bullpen experience with the Dodgers where he was dominant. Um, whether it's a multi-inning role or a one-inning stint, um, I, I think that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable about, okay, let's just kind of hold things, keep guys where they're comfortable um, instead of kind of reversing the roles. How do you think they match up against Toronto? Having a hard, I, I feel like you kind of had a handle on, all right, Houston's got all this postseason experience. They've got all these guys that have done it before. Texas, they just played Texas not that long ago, did pretty well against them. Like, all these other teams are a little bit more familiar. They haven't played Toronto for like, Three, four months, it feels like. It was like early in the year that they played all six against them. They split 3-3. Toronto, you know, obviously an AL East team, third place team over there. 
What's your sense of this matchup? Just you know, from a, from a standpoint of how they how they go against each other. I think they're kind of similar teams. I mean, they're a team that their pitching's been really good. You look at their starting rotation; they're basically right behind the Twins in most pitching categories, ERA, strikeouts. Um, so they've had a lot of success through their pitching. Their offense has been kind of inconsistent, especially with hitting with runners in scoring position. So I think that's probably the. I think there's a lot of parallels between the two teams. Um, they've dealt with some injuries over the past uh, few weeks. They got Brandon Belt back, um, got Bo Bichette back. So, I mean, they they have some names. They have some guys. I, I, I Trying to go back to those games uh, you yeah. know, four months ago, I, the Twins have changed so much. Um, but also, you remember the uh, Dalton Varsho, he had, I think it was two games where he had a ball go over his glove. Oh, like, sure. Could have yeah. popped homers and right. ended up turning into home runs that lost them games. So, um, you know, they, they played each other really tight over those six games. I, I, that's kind of what I expect. I think it'll be a tight series where a um, team that scores five runs is going to win a game. I mean, I think it's going to be tough to score uh, runs. And they, they have, a, you know, kind of the same type of bullpen, too, where they have some guys that can provide length. Jordan Hicks is their closer who throws 100 plus. Um, you know, 105 plus. So I mean, it's Jeez. you know that that it'll be. I think they're similarly built teams. What do you? What's the guess on their rotation now? Because they can go they can go different ways. I mean, they've always been been having to play up until now, so it's not exactly you know been able like the Twins. The Twins have been able to set exactly how they want. It's at their bullpens, at their rotation. But how do you think? Now, we know Gausman game one. The Twins have had decent success against him in the past. Where do they go from Gausman? Yeah, I think it'll be Jose Barrios in Game Two, and then Chris Bassett, old friend. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be a fun storyline. Um, and, and then Chris Bassett in Game Three. Just judging it from what other what their beat writers have been saying, um, they had Kikuchi too, who used to pitch in Seattle, now in Toronto. Yeah, lefty. He had a really good second half. I wouldn't be surprised if they used him kind of in that multi inning relief where the Twins love their platoon matchups. Um, you know, one of their righty struggles, you bring in the lefty, um, and then the Twins. They have that. They have to make that decision. Do you kind of change your roster, your lineup to to match Kikuchi and give yourself a better chance to hit a lefty, or do you keep those right right handed uh, your left handed hitters in to hit against the righty later in the game? So um, I, I, I could see kind of the Blue Jays trying to exploit that in terms of Twins, how much they love to pinch hit and uh, try to find platoon advantages where they try to mix and match that way. What's the Twins' best lineup right now? What, what should we expect like their game one lineup to be? Yeah, I would say probably the probably the usual one against right-handed uh, pitching. I mean, Kirilov at first base. I think Julian's going to have to play second. Um, Cray at short, Polanco at third if Royce is your DH. And then Walner in left, Michael Taylor in center, and Max Kepler in right field. Uh, that'd probably be, and then probably Jeffers. Jeffers behind the plate. Okay. You think Jeff, that's an interesting one because Jeffers and Vasquez have essentially platooned all year. How does that work, do you think, in Three three straight playoff games, all of them scheduled to be afternoon games. Does Jeffers get two of the three, all three? How do, how do you shake that out? Probably depends on how the first game goes, right? I mean, if they win the first one, I think you could go defense with Vasquez. Um, if you're in a game where you feel like it's a must win, I think you almost have to go Jeffers uh, for the offense. I mean, it's as much as Vasquez brings defensively, I think he's the better defensive catcher. Um, his arms won them some games. Um, but Jefferson, I mean, his, his defense is fine too. I mean, it's not like he's yeah. there's a noticeable drop off. So I, I think you, if you're if you lose game one, I think you almost have to go offense, um, and, and that would kind of force the hand where Jefferson is going to be. Maybe he starts all three. Bobby, final thing for you, Bobby Nightingale, beat writer, Star Tribune. Is this the year? That's all Twins fans want to know. Is this the year that not only do they win a playoff game, but maybe advance in a playoff series? They have not done that since 2002. They've won a bunch of 
They won a couple games in 2003, 2004, before this streak started. I think the big thing, of course, on people's minds is can they break the streak, but can they win this series? I think they can, but can they? Can, what, what's your perspective on that? I, th- I think they, uh, if I had to make a prediction, I think they advance out of the okay. first round. I, I, I just like the pitching so much. In You're obviously of, new here, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've lived here. <laughs> um, but it just when you have Pablo Lopez, when you have Sonny Gray, I, I think those two in, in the first two games, they give you so much confidence. I feel like if you don't win... With you know, if you get swept, I, I feel like that's a massive disappointment, not only for the streak, but just the team they have. And I, I think they're actually a well-built postseason team. I mean, home runs, um, you know, as frustrating as the offense has been with all the strikeouts, home runs is what wins games usually in October. And um, Twins led the league in home runs. They they have such a well kind of balanced offense where they don't lean on one guy. I mean, they can get guys you know at the bottom of the order that are going to hit home runs so I, I think that plays to their advantage in the postseason well we'll see what happens bobby appreciate it we'll be following your coverage lots of stuff to come um from the postseason i'll be doing special podcasts from all these games bobby's got all sorts of stuff as well appreciate it we'll talk to you soon my pleasure thanks for having me good stuff from bobby nightingale he was kind enough to come into the studio on monday during a jam-packed day record that with me ahead of tuesday's game and he was kind enough too to send me some great audio from ryan jeffers catcher um this was i think this was recorded sunday after sunday's final regular season game i thought this was interesting because this speaks to just where the offense came from this year from kind of this low point in the year where everybody was asking when are they going to score some runs to now you know being a, a, a relative strength of this team going into the postseason where did this come from a lot of us are having a hard time explaining it and so too is ryan jeffers twins catcher the same reason why i couldn't put a finger on why we were struggling i can't put a finger on why it all of a sudden clicked we started doing the things we were not doing in the first half we were getting hits when they mattered we put the ball in play like we were just doing a lot more than we were doing all the things that we were doing really bad we started doing well Pablo Lopez almost certainly will be throwing to Ryan Jeffers in game one on Tuesday. What will that look like? Can the Twins snap that 18-game losing streak in the postseason, the longest streak in North American pro sports history? I want to talk more about that right now. I am here with Chris Hanel, um, Twins fan of uh, of certain repute, who has made a fantastic video maybe a catharsis um almost two hours of great production value first of all C- congrats on pulling this off chris but um i i'm kind of at a loss for words to describe exactly what it is maybe you can tell me in your own words what this project is how it got started and uh it, it relates to the twins and their 18 game playoff losing streak and i'll let you take it from there Sure. Uh, well, uh, as a lifelong Twins fan and watching a lot of uh, baseball lately, and especially with the losing streak, um, there was a point where when we start to talk about a curse, and I think the thing for me is trying to relate what that feels like to people who aren't Twins fans. Yeah. Because a lot of people who are familiar with the streak are familiar with it through the montage that always gets shown during national broadcasts of twins games, where it's the same in, in 30 seconds, we're going to show you a bunch of highlights of these <laughs> lovable losers, just getting their teeth kicked in. Yes. And it's like, it's, it's more than that. It's, there's a little bit more going on. I, and so really the project was kind of like this. No, really, this is what this feels like. 
for a Twins fan. Um, and as a result, it's not so much a kicking them while they're down. It's about an exploration of how much I'm a fan of this team and how much yeah. I celebrate them despite everything that's happened in the postseason. Well, and what's fascinating to me is, I mean, you you said you grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You've got a lot of you know twins fandom in your in your family background. Yeah, you, your your earliest baseball memory is the '87 World Series, and I have to imagine that's like that's got something to do with the path you're on. Because you, you when you're oh, yeah. when you're a kid, however old you were at that time, you're like, hey, this is great. The team that I root for wins. They're always going to win, and then they did it four years later. And yeah, probably like this is always going to be the way it is. And then since then, it's never been the way it is. Yeah, there is there is definitely the fact that my formative baseball years included the two World Series championships absolutely has a tremendous impact on the the emotional imprint that the team has been left on my brain. Um, and then also um, the fact that, you know, my family's from Prior Lake uh Anytime I was, we went up to go visit my family uh, during baseball season, we would be watching games at home uh, with my grandfather Um, and just always having this like connection, this tether one way or another to the team. Um, And then as I grew older and I used to, I lived on the East coast and I lived on the West coast. And so I was, I was kind of the ESPN.com fan check yep. in the box score, see yep. what's going on. Can't watch the game unless they're on national broadcast or whatnot. But the minute MLB TV hit, right. I was like a hundred game a year viewer. Like, and that coincided with the tail end of the 2016 season where it was a hundred mm-hmm. loss season, but yeah. the window was starting to like, okay, yeah. this it was getting, something. it was going to get better from there. Yes. Yeah. And so, I think that I've had a very fortunate arc in terms of when the team has been the most present in my life. Absolutely. So I, I kind of referenced the production value of this. It's it's fantastic. You you I looked a little bit at your Twitter bio. You must do some of this as for your day job, like putting together things like this, because this was a, this was very professionally done. I I uh, went to visual effects school twenty years ago. Okay. Um, I worked as a filmmaker for a little while. Um, after that, I worked in the games industry as a game developer for uh, yes. a long while. My current job is I'm a broadcast graphics designer. I do score bugs and graphics for broadcasts. And this was definitely dusting off the 3D skill set that uh, I cultivated ages ago. And it was a lot of fun to just dive into that head first and just be like, oh, okay, I, I have this mm-hmm. idea. Now sure. I know how to make this and just push it as far as I could. You're uniquely qualified to do a project like this, then I guess like someone who has this fandom at all this, also this level of expertise and, you know, not to give away everything in it. Cause I want people to go watch it. What's, what's the best way for people to watch it, by the way, just YouTube or a just certain, certain YouTube. Channel? If, if you t- right now it's doing well enough, which is wild that you can type in Minnesota twins and it should come up, which is hey, a weird thing to say. Good. That's been pretty popular but, since it, it, when yeah. it was it was released uh, on the twenty fifth. Yeah, twenty fifth. Okay, so yeah, which is great. Good for you. I mean, it should be though because it's it's really good. You start. I'm not going to give it all away, but you start with you know a a kind of drama, and I'm like I'm I'm sucked in immediately. I'm like, wait, I don't remember this part of history. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I know what, he, <laughs> I know what he's talking about now. Um, with you know, obviously with the theatrical production, Damn Yankees, which obviously leads you to. Yeah, you know, so so much of this streak is the Yankees, although it's not all the Yankees. 
it, the, the Yankees' influence is undeniable. Like if if you talk about the streak without talking about the Yankees, then you're deluding yourself. You know, you have to deal with that. But I've had a lot of people come to me after watching it and be like, "I didn't realize that the Washington Senators." were in damn Yankees. And I didn't realize that the Washington senators were what became the Minnesota twins. That was a really mind blowing moment for me that this history is a lot longer than just the last 20 years. It's like, no, this is a story that's been going almost a century. Which is daunting, but, but you get into it. And as, as you kind of think about it, like what, you know, you're doing this project. It sounds like it was, you know, um, kind of the genesis of it began, you know, kind of early pandemic, kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to, how are we going to keep the baseball conversation going? Things like that. You worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. You weren't even sure like when you were going to finish it, but as you're doing it, like, what are your, what are your favorite parts? What are the hardest parts to like watch again or relive and things like that? Oh, so I think for me, um, when I was, when I was first starting to write it, I had, the beginning almost immediately and i got stuck on the game by game breakdowns because yeah. i'm like this is going to be a slog i don't know if i want to watch this <laughs> sure how can i tell this story in a way that is uh optimistic or or can like doesn't just leave you feeling like you need to lie down for a little while right and the biggest one of the biggest things for me was really just adding 2009 the two the 2009 tiebreaker game yeah and being able to celebrate this win which is you know it's one of the best regular season games ever played yes and the twins came out on top it is a victory that we savor so much and it's smack tap in the middle of this otherwise awful streak Yeah. yeah and i talk about that in the video where i'm just like this should be the curtain call for this team that season. If that was the last game they played that year, everyone would be over the moon. We would yes. still be talking about it. It would be it would be right up there with the 91 World Series as greatest Twins experiences ever. But the because it immediately, like less than 24 hours later, yeah. because like they had poor, to get on a red-eye like flight. Poor Brian Dunsing has got to go pitch against yeah. the Yankees. And, you know, everybody's hung over and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, got to beat exactly. the Yankees again. But they and they still put up a fight. They did not yeah. roll over. And that's the one of the things that I did not realize. The twins against the Yankees, even more than anything, the twins scored first yes. in all but I think one of those games. It was a remarkable streak of scoring first and like having these opportunities where you're like, ah, if this maybe this is it. They're they're gonna do it. Yeah. Now. And not just being favorites, heavy favorites. Like, and I, and you'll see the meat and potatoes. It was like, we are going to look at how, what is the win expectancy that they got up to? 80%, 90%, 95%. (laughs) It's, this isn't just a losing streak. It is, it is getting to the finish line and then not being able to close it for whatever reason. In some cases, heartbreaking, in some cases, inexplicable, in some cases, infuriating. And, I I think the most gratifying thing for me is to see non-twins fans see that and be like, oh, I had no idea. Right. I I want this for your fan base so bad now. Yes. So is that some of the reaction you're getting so far? What what have people been telling you otherwise, other than this is fantastic? Um, I've got a lot of I need therapy now. Uh-huh. I've got a lot of I mean, the, I think the really gratifying thing for me is to have Twins fans contact me and be like, 
I cried at multiple points. This is amazing. I think the best thing for me also is people, like I'm saying, like this is at its core a hopeful tale. Sure. The the stats and all of the graphs and everything is basically an excuse for me to dive into my emotional connection with this team, which is very strong and very optimistic. And that, especially in the conclusions and whatnot, it's a hopeful tale. And to see people come away from that feeling like this is the year, you know, that I can tell this story of heartbreak over two hours and then people come out of it being excited for the postseason. I have done my job. Yes. Then I feel good about that. You know, and you were talking about. I want to get to um, this season, this postseason, in a minute before before I let you go. But I, sure. I do, you know, and in kind of thinking about it and kind of rewatching some of this, I was struck too that like some of the some of the biggest heartbreaks, like the the what if moments, were probably like right after the last time they won a playoff game, which was two thousand four in Yankee Stadium. They win Game mm-hmm. One. Game two, I was actually there for that. I was helping cover that for the Star Tribune. Like we, they were, they were right there in that game. Like they, they had the moment where they could have gone ahead in regulation, but the the ball bounces into the stands. They have the lead in extra innings, um, but they try to get Joe Nathan to pitch a third inning, and then they lose oh, that game. Man. Game game four of that series, they're up like well up big, and then Ruben Sierra hits the home run off Juan Rincon. There's so many moments in just right away, but you're like ah. You know, they gave it a good try. They'll be back. Who knew that was the start of this? Yeah, it, I it is kind of wild that out of all of the different individual series, I did not do the math specific on which the, the odds of individual series as a group, but 2004 would definitely be way up there in terms of heart, the heartbreak value, the win expectancy value that is going on in there. And yeah, and I. I remember when I first started doing the research, I had to watch a lot of games. Uh, I've, I watched so many games I hadn't seen in so long. Yeah. And I caught myself getting emotionally invested, knowing the script, knowing what's going to happen. And I'm like, why is Nathan still in there? Why is no one warming up? <laughs> right. Come on, Guardy, get him in there. Get right. You- <laughs> that's hilarious like, like bill pullman and independence day <laughs> get him out of there <laughs> i know it's like it's watching this like this slow motion where yeah you know what's going to happen but you're like maybe it could be different maybe this, yes maybe it maybe could be if different. i watch it this time upon rewatching, this has been totally changed the script has been changed well their only chance to really change the script is in front of them not behind them and it's mm-hmm. you know 18 this 18 game streak is the longest in North American sports like it is a in a in a an amazing astounding like I don't know how you could calculate the odds even if you gave them only like you know a 30 or 35 percent chance of winning certain games because they're a heavy I, underdog like I know how to calculate the odds yes you do and if you tune into the video then yes, you can exactly. see the number I arrive at it's not great it's not great <laughs> <laughs> it's not great but that says that you know, you're telling me there's a chance. Like, I feel like I've, I've said this even since the middle of this season, where even when this wasn't a great team, you could tell this wasn't a great team. Like, they're in a bad division. And the format now, while making it more challenging to get to a World Series because there's extra rounds and extra things, if yeah. you are a division winner, if you are that third division winner, you have an excellent chance to win a playoff game at the very least because you get all of those first three wildcard games at home, or at least the first two, the third, if necessary. 
what gives you hope now going into this uh this this playoff series coming up um I think it was Aaron Gleeman who tweeted out that since the All-Star break, the Twins have the second best record in the American League. They're playing at like a got a 98 win pace. Yeah, they've been good. They have they, been they, good. The, the rookies have been sensational. Like I you can't this is a podcast, but you can't say I have my Royce Lewis yes. side baseball and my Royce Lewis bobblehead. Right here next to me. Who's and on, who's on the Wheaties box there? I'm trying to make that, that is up. me. This is from oh, the video. Yes. Oh, this there is it is. The Wheaties oh. box from the okay, video. Okay, I was okay. Sorry, I was. Uh, I was uh, there was a bobblehead next to it. I was like, it looked like that was the Wheaties box. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Is it in the, that, in the video? That's Kadire. Right. That's Kadire. Okay, got it. Yeah. Very good. And my 87 Homer hanky down here. Nice. Uh, um, I've been. Royce Lewis, I'm from Cedar Rapids, so Cedar Rapids yeah. Colonels. Yeah. Uh, my parents are ushers at Colonels games. Oh, that's awesome. And they're, they were friends with the people who Royce Lewis uh, yeah, stayed like his, his host, host family. family. Yeah. So they made sure to, that they got me that. Uh, and seeing, I've been just being like, I will tell anyone who will listen, like, did you know that Royce Lewis is good? <laughs> like I'll I'll just say that over yeah. and over. Yeah. Like I am so excited about the young core of this team kind of doing the next man up. I I'm a huge Byron Buxton fan. I was so excited when we got Correa. I know that there have been injuries and struggles this season, yeah. but to see the young core of this team step up and also the energy and the acknowledgement of the players about the streak. I think is different than any other year. And I've, I've read a lot of newspaper articles in the last yeah. couple of months, yeah. but I, the, the tone that I would strike in terms of, or that I would point to is in 2017, Brian Dozier basically came out and said, ah, oh, that, that was so many years ago. So what? Yeah. Right. And yeah. kind of just did this, like that doesn't apply to us. Right. And then of course we know what happened next. Yeah, it, it also actually did apply to them. Yeah, 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 it did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the baseball fates reminded them, yes, yeah. you are a part of this. Yes. This year, the team, the players on the team have very specifically said, we're very aware of the streak. We understand what this means to Twins fans. We are not going to let you down. Pablo Lopez has said that in the press. Uh, Walner has said that in the press. Jeffers has said that in the press. They all are taking ownership of the emotions of this fan base they're not dismissing it they're not being like nah whatever or and they're not being scared of it either which is yeah. you could definitely say like oh man we're about to run into a brick wall right no they're they are excited to be the team that breaks this curse and that kind of energy to me is what kind of gives me like that that up like extra optimism and excitement like i I would go into this postseason saying they're gonna they're gonna break the streak because that's what I've said the other seventeen times that they've right. had the opportunity. But right. um, but act like just seeing the tone that this team is striking right now has me ready to just absolutely scream. Like this has been so great seeing how they're closing out this season. Win or lose, final thing. Will you make an update to this after this series? I at first. When I when I when I finished the movie, I knew I had to finish it yeah. before the postseason. Otherwise, yeah. like right. Cut. No, right. this is when people are talking about this, and I was very I'm like, what if they lose again? Like, do I have to make more? What if they win? Do I? Have to, I and I realized, yeah, I can't. It won't be two hours, but I will <laughs> no, you, definitely have to make a little. Right. 
<laughs> I will definitely have to make a little bit of a postscript to just kind of put that little bookend on the end yeah. of it. Yeah. I think that that probably will happen. Yeah. Well, it's it's fabulous. Um, congratulations on on finishing it. It's it's a you know a huge a huge undertaking. I'm sure a labor of love to a certain degree, a labor of catharsis maybe to a degree. But the, you know everybody's still waiting for the larger catharsis, which would be go win a game at the very least in this series and and see what happens from there. Um, you will you will hear me if uh, if you hear a scream in the background. That's me in Oregon watching the game and uh, just absolutely having a breakdown one way or another. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Chris Hanel, really appreciate your time today, sharing your story, sharing this project with everybody. Um, best of luck. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll check in with you, uh, win or lose, and uh, we can revisit this uh, sometime, uh, sometime soon. Reporting live from Coastal Oregon, Chris <laughs> Hanel. You guys really need to go check that out. I wrote about it on StarTribune.com. There's the YouTube videos embedded in that. You can also find it pretty easily if you just go search for it. Chris Hanel is his name, H-A-N-E-L. Go find it on YouTube. Watch it before game one. Hey, if they win, go watch it after they win. He's promised maybe a postscript. We'll see if, uh, if, if the, if the streak is broken, if the, if the 69 billion to one, not to give away the spoiler alert, 69 billion to one, if they can overcome and not add on to those astronomical odds, we will see. Hopefully for the twin sick, it does not get into the trillions at any point. Speaking of trillions, it feels like we're going to do a trillion shows this week, but it's really just probably a few more. Stick around for that the rest of this week. I'll have it up as soon as I can on Tuesday after the game, Wednesday as well, Thursday if necessary, in addition to all the regularly scheduled podcasts. It feels like we're running like an AM, PM newspaper, the old days, AM, PM podcast, but that's the kind of week it is. That's what we need to do, and I will have fun doing it. Until then, until Tuesday morning, I am Michael Rand, back at it again tomorrow. <laughs>